But if we take the objectives and the learning outcomes as a starting point, it's much, much easier to ensure this really progressive, coherent programme, as well as then ensuring that appropriate assessment for learning and assessment of learning is incorporated and not just kind of put in there as an add-on at the end. Hello and welcome to RSHE Ready, the podcast that sees me, Sam Harvey, talking to voices from across the education sector about the game-changing introduction of statutory RSHE requirements. In this episode, I talk to Jenny Barksfield and Liz Laming from the PSHE Association about how colleagues can plan a safe and effective PSHE curriculum that meets both the new statutory RSHE requirements and the needs of their pupils. I try and signpost the resources that we mentioned in this episode in the description. Uh, so if you are listening on a website player, you should be able to find them there. Quick word on the PSHE Association before we begin. PSHE Association is a national body for personal social health and economic education, a school curriculum subject dedicated to supporting children and young people to stay safe, healthy and prepared for life and work. The association is a charity and membership organisation that supports a network of over 50,000 PSHE teachers and other professionals with guidance, advice teaching resources and training. You can become a member and find out more at www.pshe-association.org.uk. So I'll jump straight in then. So it's great to be joined today by Jenny Barksfield, Deputy CEO and Principal Subject Specialist of the PSHE Association. Jenny leads the association's subject specialist team and partnership projects with local authorities, charities and other organisations. And a fun fact about Jenny is that in her spare time, she likes to reupholster furniture and is a big fan of the Repair Shop TV programme. Also joined today by Liz Laming, one of the secondary subject specialists at the association. As part of the subject specialist team, Liz develops resources and delivers CPD training to the PSHE Association Network. And in her spare time, Liz is a keen long distance runner. Uh, And it struck me actually that both reupholstering and long distance running are good hobbies for the lockdown. So that's something for both of you. (laughs) So yeah, thanks again, both of you for for joining me today. Uh, And as you both know, we're going to talk a bit about curriculum planning for implementing the statutory RSHE changes. So let's jump straight in at the deep end because I'm mindful that we don't have a lot of time. Uh, so yeah, ground zero, if you're starting from scratch on planning a RSHE curriculum, where would you need to start? Well, it sounds obvious, but I think it's important not to do anything until you've reviewed your current provision and identified exactly what you need to do. So I'd start with a full subject review. Look at how implementing RSHE is being led and managed Look at the delivery model you're using. For example, we know that uh, this can't be taught effectively through things like drop down days and assemblies and form time, although these can enhance a program of regular timetable lessons. But that should always be the main model of delivery, your regular lessons. You'll want to review whether you've got enough lesson time to deliver the statutory content without losing the vital non-statutory PSHE education content like economic well-being, careers education, media literacy, personal safety. And you'll obviously want to audit what you're already teaching against the statutory content for relationship, sex and health education elements of PSHE. 
It might be tempting to do a curriculum audit to see if any of the content's being addressed in other subject areas. Do be careful if you're doing that, as with any other elements of PSHE education, RSHE can't be taught effectively through other subjects alone. It needs discrete timetabled lessons that can be enhanced through learning in other subjects. There are materials available to support you with your subject review. For example, the PSHE Association has published a new subject review tool for the whole of PSHE education, including RSHE, at the start of this term. And that allows you to evaluate where your school is in relation to leadership management and organisation of the subject, your curriculum itself and teaching and learning. And it links you to all the other tools and materials that you need to support you to improve or develop it in each section of that. And the Sex Education Forum has a really useful self-evaluation tool specifically for RSE. Um, so I'd recommend having a look at that as well and maybe use both of them together to give you a really comprehensive overview of your current strengths and areas for development. That's great. Thanks, Jenny. Uh, and lots of great links in that as well. So I'll be sure to add those into the description so listeners can uh, follow those links and get those resources. Uh, and once you've identified what you're doing well, uh, what you should be doing next, what, what would be the next steps for that? Um, so we really need to start thinking about embedding relationship sex and health education uh, into a broader PSHE education programme using a, a spiral curriculum. So if you're using our programme of study, for example, as many schools are, you'll be providing a spiral curriculum that integrates the statutory content, but it's not limited to the statutory content. So a high quality PSHE programme is also going to cover things like um, economic well-being, careers, enterprise education, as well as education for things like personal safety, including uh, assessing and managing risk, for example. So PSHE, including relationship, sex and health education, is this really planned preventative education that should use a spiral curriculum that explores these topics and themes in a really progressive way. So it's really about building on and developing the understanding, knowledge and skills year on year and making sure that learning in PSHE isn't delivered as this one-off experience. And if we think about, you know, after all, how could a, a year eight pupil understand the dangers of sending nude images if in year one they were never taught about what body parts were private? Just one example. So this spiral approach really ensures developmental learning by revisiting those core themes and building on the previous learning. Thanks, Liz. And I just thought worth mentioning, uh, so colleagues are aware that the latest 2020 edition of the programme of study is mapped to the new statutory RSHE guidance. And that's kind of taken been taken into account uh, with the development of it. Yes, that's that's right. Absolutely. Brilliant. And uh, would, would you start looking for, for lesson plans next once you've kind of identified those areas? Um, no, actually, lesson plans are the last step of the planning process, never the first. So, no, we're not ready at this point to write or select lesson plans and resources. This is because, in part, there's no such thing as a one-size-fits-all programme that would be appropriate for every child and every school. There are some good whole programmes out there, but they would all need to be tailored to meet the needs of your pupils. So, first of all, you need to design your own schemes of work. Um, and to make sure that these are tailored to your school and your pupils. And then you write or select lessons that meet the learning objectives you've identified in your schemes of work. And uh, how, how would you ensure that that's tailored as well? So we're thinking about kind of using 
pupil data, local data to do that, maybe? That's, that's right, yeah. So to tailor a programme to school uh, and for your particular pupils, you've got to start by gathering some information so that you can gauge your pupils' needs and your priorities for them. This could inc include things like carrying out pupil surveys, pupil voice activities, also baseline assessment activities, and all of these will give you an insight into what pupils think they need to learn and, crucially, their existing knowledge, beliefs and attitudes and the different elements of relationships, sex and health education. You can, as you say, um, Sam, you can also look at local data for your school and your local area. For example, you can do you, you might do the young people's health related behavior questionnaire in your school from SHU, SHEU, the school's health education unit. That will compare your school data with local and national data. Or you could look at your local authorities' joint strategic needs assessment to see what the local priorities for children and young people's health are in your area. It's also worth looking at Public Health England and CHIMAT, the National Child and Maternal Health Network. They have child health profiles for each local authority. So the idea is that you look at the needs of your individual pupils in your school, what they're telling you they want to learn and need to learn, and what they're work is telling you that they still need to learn and you're comparing that against any data that you've got for your local area and that way you can prioritize your program and make sure you're spending enough time on the areas where it's needed most and that you're pitching it right crucially for your pupils it's, it strikes me as well jenny that um you know, what, you're, what you've outlined there is very much a pupil-centred approach uh, and very evidence-based. And I suppose Absolutely. that must, must be important when you're engaging parents as well. Uh, Absolutely. So you kind yes. of have the best interests. Yes, yes. And with this learning in particular, it's not that we're preparing um, pupils for exams, tests, GCSEs and so on in in relationship sex and health education that that wouldn't be appropriate at all so therefore the whole point is that it has to be relevant for them meet their needs and prepare them for life um, rather than for exams although we also know that effective um, PSHE education including RSHE will actually improve pupil attainment that's not first and foremost our our aim so it's really important that we do make sure it meets those needs and um, is tailored to our own school, our own community and our own pupils. Fantastic. Thanks, Jenny. Uh, and I'm just mindful that between the two of you, you've got lots of great experience um, teaching PSHE in the classroom. I just wondered if either of you had an example of where you've used uh, local data to address an RSHE topic before. Sorry to put you on the, on the spot there. I'm just kind of thinking of other areas <laughs> but it didn't, I was, the one I was thinking about was literally in my local area you can't step out of the door normally on a Friday or Saturday morning or Sunday morning without tripping over piles of canisters of nitrous oxide canisters this is a few years ago now uh, when I was teaching when I was still a PSHE lead in in a school I'm sure if I was still in that school today looking at the surrounding area when I go out uh, for a walk on a Sunday morning, it will probably be that it was the use of nitrous oxide canisters um, and balloons that was um, the most prevalent 
drug that young people in the in the area where I live are using. So again, this is why our PSHE program has to be responsive to changing um, changing trends, changing behaviour. And, and those particular needs of students are, at any particular time, even though the underlying skills of managing peer pressure and making healthy decisions are going to be the same, um, the context is going to shift slightly in, in, the, in, in that instance. That's great. And I suppose it's, it's a great skill set because once you have it, no matter what area you move to uh, in your career, you'll always kind of... Um, be using best practice and you'll be able to kind of make the most difference to your pupils using that data. Um, so, so we talked a bit about how people can ensure their programs are tailored. Um, how would someone go about designing their own scheme of work? Yeah, so I think as Jenny said, you need to look at your, your um, pupil needs, the school priorities and so on, and then take that and start looking at how you can combine that with um, the content in the statutory guidance or in the programme of study. So thinking about how to take that content and then map it out for each year group, um, year on year, considering what learning objectives and learning outcomes might then be relevant for each year group um, stage on stage. So one of the easiest ways to do this would be to look at something like our programme builders, which provide examples of, of possible curriculum frameworks. So basically setting out what pupils could be taught in each year group in each half term across the year in order to cover the whole of the programme of study and therefore the whole of the statutory relationship sex and health education content. And as schools teach PSHE education through different delivery models and obviously are also tailoring their programmes to meet the needs of their pupils, the programme builders aren't, aren't full schemes of work. They provide different models um, that can be used then to adapt, um, can be, sorry, adapted, changed, differentiated, the same as if you were using a bought-in programme. So even if you, you know, as Jenny said, there's some great bought-in programmes out there, but they still need to be tweaked, tailored, adapted to meet the needs of, of your pupils. So the key thing really is to have this, this long-term plan, this big picture for the year across all year groups that clearly shows this progression year on year. So it's a spiral program that I talked about before, and then start to break this down into different year groups and half-term chunks. So for example, again, in the program builders, we have kind of separate grids for each year group, and they set out this suggested learning objectives for each half-term for each year group. And once you've done that and you've mapped that out, you can start thinking a little bit more about resources. If I can just add a little bit to what Liz was just saying, um, it's important just to note that the statutory guidance for RSHE doesn't um, give any indication of um, key stages or year groups. Uh, it's literally what children should learn in the primary phase and in the secondary phase. So this is why it's so crucial to look look for help if you can, but to think about age and stage, age and developmental appropriateness um, and that spiral curriculum that we were talking about before, but to, to then map that out, not just not just visiting each bit at one point in primary and thinking that will that will do. And I think it can be quite daunting if you just go from the statutory guidance and try and just do that without support. So I would recommend um, looking for help with that in the ways that we've we've described. It struck me as well when you uh, were talking there about age and stage appropriateness that that's kind of particularly important for SEND settings as well uh, and colleagues working in those settings. Um, and, and worth just bearing in mind, I suppose, that you know, during the course of a programme, uh, you know, half-termly, termly, if colleagues, you know, find that they need to change something, then they're definitely able to do that as well. 
uh, and they don't kind of need mm-hmm. to follow things to the letter. It's it's all about kind of doing things at a sensible Absolutely. pace for the pupils. Absolutely. It should always be responsive. And that's a really good point, Sam, about pupils with SCND. Um, We've also, uh, at the PSHE Association this year, published a a fully updated version of our planning framework for pupils with SEND. And this uh, provides learning outcomes in six um, levels uh, that incorporates all of the statutory content for RSHE within a broader PSHE education program. And I think that together with the program of study for people either teaching in a special school context or teaching pupils with SEND in a mainstream context is invaluable really to help them to to plan and also to assess, but to, to map out the, their intended learning outcomes for those particularly um, important learners with their, their sort of increased vulnerability in a lot of areas relating to relationships, sex and health education. Of course, uh... And good as well that all three documents that um, both of you have mentioned today, so the Programme Study, Programme Builders, and just the SEND planning framework there are all kind of linked um, to to each other. They kind of have a symbiotic relationship. So that makes it easy for colleagues as well. Um, So so now we have our scheme of work for each term or half term. Would teachers need to plan all of their own lessons? Um. Well, nowadays, with teachers so busy and with so many still not having received specific training in PSHE education, including relationships or RSE and health education, it's unlikely that they'll be planning all of their own lessons. And as we've already mentioned, there's no one-size-fits-all program that can be effectively used without adapting it to a school and its pupils' individual needs. So the best model for most schools is probably to select published lesson plans and to write their own plans where necessary so that between them they meet the learning objectives of their schemes of work. So they've planned their schemes of work, they've identified their learning objectives and their intended learning outcomes for that scheme of work, whether it's for a half term or a term or a couple of lessons. And then um, they're looking then for either published lesson plans or writing their own lesson plans that will allow them to meet those objectives rather than finding some nice lesson plans and designing a scheme of work that allows them to use them, which can sometimes happen. The important thing is that the lessons they plan themselves are in line with best practice. I think Liz is going to say something about that in a a moment or two. And that any other published lessons and resources they use are fully in line with safe practice principles. So they're safe to use and, of course, effective. At the PSHE Association, we've got a guide to choosing resources and we also write and quality assure resources. So do always look out for our quality mark on any resources you use. Members of the association can also access the programme builders that Liz was talking about. And these in turn link to quality assured resources from organisations like the NSPCC, CEOP, Public Health England, loads of other organisations, as well as our own materials. But there'll always be times when teachers do need to plan their own lessons. So, Liz, I think you're going to talk us through how you would recommend teachers go about planning their own lessons from scratch. All right, thanks, Jill. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's very similar to what you were just saying about uh, using resources and not just finding nice resources that you then try and fit into your your long term plan. So 
in terms of individual lesson planning, we'd always advise that teachers start with the learning objectives and intended learning outcomes. Because often the starting point for our lesson planning is we've seen an activity or we love a particular resource or something really appeals to us. And we're not necessarily starting with a really clear picture of what we want our learners to learn and then finding activities and resources to help us achieve those objectives. If we take the objectives and the learning outcomes as a starting point, it's much, much easier to ensure this really progressive, coherent program, as well as that ensuring that appropriate assessment for learning and assessment of learning is incorporated and not just kind of put in there as an add on at the end. So really, it's important to clarify your thinking in terms of your, your aim, your, your lesson objectives, your intended learning outcomes, how you're going to assess those. And that in turn will help you to choose the most appropriate activities um, for that lesson. Thanks, Liz. Just just conscious that we might have some listeners who are new to teaching these topics as well. Um, so I wondered, Liz, if you might have an insight on kind of some starting points for, for those colleagues. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely worth looking at some of the resources and the lessons out there, really, whether you're um, trying to plan what's going to fit into your, your current schemes of work or if you're looking at lesson planning yourself and just want a bit of guidance. So some that spring to mind, we recently launched the um, drug and alcohol education suite of lessons for key stage one to four, um, which will take you through then kind of see the lesson plans, the resources, the evidence base behind all of that as well. So it's a really nice sort of set to look at. We've also recently quality assured resources from NHS BT, so looking at blood and organ donation. So again, just to get a gauge of the sort of key, the key things you want to see in lesson plans um, and how the structure set out, how timings are set out and how to make those resources and lessons really age and stage appropriate, as Jenny was, was talking about earlier. Fantastic. Um, so I think that's about all we have time for, unfortunately, but I think it might be useful just to summarise the kind of key takeaways for colleagues. So under Jenny... Uh, if you might be able to yeah I, I suppose in a nutshell if i was to try and do this in in just a few words i'd say start with a, a subject review a self-evaluation audit what you're currently doing against the statutory guidance for rshe um think about your model of delivery Make sure you're embedding RSHE within your broader PSHE education program so that it is fully effective and that that is within a spiral curriculum. So you're revisiting the, that key learning year on year. Make sure you uh, map it out over the year groups and then choose your learning objectives, identify your learning objectives for each year group so that you can plan schemes of work and then from your schemes of work, find your lesson plans or write your lesson plans, choose your quality assured resources or choose the, the materials that you're going to use. But don't make that your first port of call. Don't just think I'm going to have a look for some nice lesson plans and build a program around that. That should be your last, the last point in the progress in the process. And then you'll have a really comprehensive and effective program for your school and your pupils. That was RSHE Ready with Jenny Boxfield and Liz Laming from the PSHE Association. Great to have them uh, along on that episode. And uh, we'll be hearing from Jenny again later on in the series when we're talking about choosing age-appropriate resources for teaching RSE. So it'd be great to have her on there as well. Uh, and if you have enjoyed today's episode, do make sure that you subscribe. We are on all major streaming platforms. So whether that's iTunes or Spotify, or SoundCloud, 
Uh, if you subscribe, you'll be notified when new episodes become available. Take care for now.